think the pandemic has been terrible for that blurring of that those lines. So, um, you know, shutting down and walking away, and knowing that actually that time away is probably the most valuable thing you can do for your business. It's not working, you know, 16 or 18 hours a day. That is not going to help. The ability of being able to walk away and come back in and look at things differently. Welcome to Push To Be More with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. This is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work. And to help us do just that, today I am chatting with the Ivers, as we affectionately call her, Chris Ivers from Pharmaco, about where she has had to push through, what she does to recharge her batteries uh, and to be, as well as well, what she's doing to be more. Now the show notes and transcript from our conversation will be available on our website, pushtobemore.com. And whilst you're there, if you haven't done so already, sign up for our newsletter and each week we will email you the links along with the notes from the shows straight to your inbox automatically. It's totally amazing, it's totally free, so make sure you sign up for that. Now, this episode is brought to you by Orion Media, which helps entrepreneurs and business leaders set up and run their own successful podcasts. Chris, do you know what? I have found running my own podcast to be, well, it's just amazing, really, I, mainly because I like to talk. Uh, <laughs> it opens doors to amazing people like nothing else I've seen. I've built networks, made friends, had a platform to champion my customers, my team, my suppliers. And I think just about any entrepreneur or business leader should have a podcast because it's had such a huge impact on my own business, which of course sounds wonderful in theory, but in reality, there's a whole problem. Setup, technical, distribution, strategy, I mean, the list goes on. And as I said, I just love to talk to people, but I don't really enjoy that other stuff. So Orion Media takes it all off my plate. I do what I'm good at and they brilliantly take care of the rest. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. And of course, they will be linked in the show notes uh, as well as on our website, pushtobemore.com. So yes, big shout out to Orion Media. Now, Chris, the Ivers, Chris, the Ivers. I wonder if Chris's middle name is the, uh, it should be, has <laughs> been a director of her own advertising and brand strategy for over 15 years and understands what it takes to build a successful business. Get the people right, give them an inspiring vision and create teams that know where they are heading and feel passionate about what they are achieving is everything that Chris strives to deliver. If you get this right, according to Chris, growth follows, which we all know to be true. Now, what you don't know to be true, unless you do know, Chris, is that she is an unusual uh, combination of left and right brain thinking with a career that is, well, one that can only be described as creative. Uh, one where new, new, new ideas, <laughs> complex problem solving, and critical thinking are a daily occurrence. She is born and bred in New Zealand, loves the country, and believes that business can deliver not only economic success, but social success too and she works super hard to help achieve success for New Zealand and her fellow Kiwis. Chris, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. How are we doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Matt. Always lovely to chat to you. I do enjoy our conversations, Chris, I'm not going to lie. 
so do I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those, if it's not completely obvious, Chris and I do know each other. Uh, and we've known each other, I was trying to think the other day, we've known each other for a good old while now, four or five years, I would have thought. Oh, at least, at least. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. And we're still talking. Well, you're still talking to me. So that's always a bonus. Know, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we met through the uh, fantastic Simon O'Shaughnessy, um, who has been on the podcast. You work with Chandra uh, Salvadori, who is also in Pharmaco, and you are currently working with Chandra in Pharmaco, and you work with Simon. So it is all a bit well, it's all a bit incestuous, isn't it? This <laughs> this, this little community, uh, and um, it's it's great actually. I honestly, Chris, I've been looking forward to this. So, uh, thank you for being here, uh, all the way from New Zealand, uh, beaming in from your beaming. your your office with a very dull background. It is really dull, and I'm concerned <laughs> that I've got a photocopying machine there, which can I just say never gets used. <laughs> I've just kept it there. As a shrine. <laughs> yeah, as a relic to what as once a relic. was. Does it do faxes too? Does it does it fax? Yeah. No, no, but do you know what? We still have a fax machine in the building because wow. in the health sector they still fax. I find it unbelievable, but it's true. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. The lowest moving sort of sector of market, I think. Okay. Well, for those that don't know, and why would they actually, those listening to the show, but uh, just explain your day-to-day, what Pharmaco is, uh, and why you would have a fax machine for the healthcare industry. (laughs) So Pharmaco is a healthcare company, uh, predominantly sales and marketing, and um, we have a number of products, right from pharmaceuticals through to medical devices. We operate in diabetes, uh, fertility, um, helping women through menopause, very important. Um, we also have, I know, uh, we have uh, emergency care products. I mean, we've got quite a vast range of products yeah. and we supply those into New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, no, you guys do a great job, actually. Do a great job. It's, uh, it's a great company. But it's fair to say, Chris, um, as the buyer says, you, you've not always worked with Pharmaco. You've had your own agency, um, sort yep. of creative agency. What was that? What, what was that all about? Uh, well, I came through um, the big global advertising agents agencies, and um, that was amazing. Absolutely loved it. You know, worked overseas um, in the UK, as it turns out. And um, I was an art director and a creative director, and it was it was fun. It was so much mm. fun. I got to the point where I really wanted, I felt like I could do things a bit differently. And so I set up my own business and I was really lucky to have some amazing clients, um, um, you know, some really big clients in a really diverse sector, sort of, uh, you know, construction for some bizarre reason. I ended up with a lot of construction companies. I really don't know how that happened. Because <laughs> it's right um, up your street, and- right? I know, you'd think that, wouldn't you? And I used to turn up to these meetings with these big burly sort of construction guys and I'd sort of rock in and uh, they'd be like, who is this person? So that was kind of cool. I I did a lot in tourism. I've worked on cars. I mean, just every sector. Um, And a tiny little portion of that was in the health sector um, a little bit as well. So it was just, it was a great time. Um, I ended up being a lot more involved in brand strategy because the minute Mm. you kind of get into businesses and you're communicating 
out to the market. You've got to really understand that business. Then you end up doing a deep dive into that business. And so I ended up doing a lot of sort of structural work around brands that actually fed through into how the actual businesses were structured. Mm-hmm. So it got me very, very interested in how businesses were run and better ways to run businesses. And I guess that's sort of why I ended up in a business out of the agency world because I suppose it was just a natural place to go. It was sort of natural progression, wasn't it, for you to, yeah. to sort of go and yeah. do that. And so you had your own advertising agency, right? You had your own creative agency. Yep. What what was what was it like going from these big agencies then to running your own sort of, I guess, smaller agency? Yeah, you get really, I mean, you're a lot more hands-on with stuff, I found. So as a creative person in a big agency, you're almost in like a bubble. So mm. it's, a, it's a very happy bubble, but it's a very, you're just not touched by anything else. You don't understand the wider context of what's going on. I think the minute that you run your own business, you suddenly have an appreciation that it's not just about doing the work there's also about running the business and mm. you know having to manage staff and go and get new business and who you are as a business and and how you market yourself and so it just it's it's very satisfying but it's a lot more than i think most people and in new zealand we're classics for kind of going well i'm quite good at this lots of people in new zealand start small businesses and um but i think a lot of people don't realise what's involved in running a business. And I have, to this day, the greatest respect for anybody that runs their own business because I mm. know how hard it is. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can totally uh, agree. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a funny yeah. one, isn't it, when you run your own business because you, you do have to do everything. And I can, I'm just smiling to myself because I'm, I'm imagining actually the one company that most creatives enjoy being is probably the advertising agency because or the advertising world because that you get to be super creative there right that's the whole purpose of of being there you you do and i but i think the thing there's a bit of a misconception with agencies so they think they're just these wildly creative out of control businesses but they're actually the most structured well-run businesses of anything i've ever come across and I think the customer service is incredible and the reason Mm. for that is because you know at the end of the day they have to deliver to a deadline the Mm. worst thing you can do in an agency is miss a deadline because it's a missed radio ad or a tv ad or you know it's so it's just like the worst crime and I think as creatives you're actually kind of very structured in the way you think it's not like you know you're a fine artist where you can just decide what you're going to do and whatever news takes you. You're actually given a brief. You've got very tight constraints. You have to deliver something, a message, and you've got to be creative and you've got mm. to do it within a time frame. So you've got to know how to walk in the door and yeah. kind of turn it on. And um, and that is that is just a real skill to learn. And I think the other thing is you've got to learn to walk out the door and turn it off because otherwise that's okay. where you end up with that huge burnout that a lot of creative people get. I think that was one of my greatest successes, being able to walk out the door and leave it behind and right. then go go away and do stuff that kind of refreshed me and was important and, and then come back in the next day. And, you know, we always used to talk about the overnight test. We would come up with heaps of ideas and we'd have them pasted all over our walls and scribbles all over the walls and 
you'd finish the day going, I have no idea where this is going. I don't know if any of this is good and nothing fits together as a campaign. Mm. And then you leave, you walk away, you come back in the next morning and literally you just look on the wall and go, rubbish, 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 that's a campaign, move that over there, change that. And suddenly it just came together like that. Right. It was kind of, it was really, so that walking away was a huge part of that creative process, but it was very structured. Mm. You know? yeah. So it's creativity, but in a very structured way. Like and you have to have both, don't you? How, how amazing that is within an agency. Mm. Yeah, it is. You do have to have both, uh, as you say. And I think if you can get the structure and if you miss one, you've got a problem. If you yeah, miss creativity yeah. and you're all structured, you've got a problem. If you're all creativity and you don't have the structure, you've got a problem. Yeah, um, so you, you do. And that's why, you know, I sort of jokingly say I'm very left and right brain because there's a part of you that's just got to turn on that creativity and be mm. out there and and think in a really different way. But then there's this other side of you that's got to, you know, be process and deliver and on mm. time frames and on budget as well. It's not like yeah. you just, you know, give us unlimited budgets. So <laughs> Which is always a shame. Uh, it's always which a shame. Is <laughs> always, always very disappointing. And you're always pushing the boundaries. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just a really different so I guess that's how you develop that that two sides to you. Which is helpful yeah. in business, I think, mm. to have both of those sort of skills. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I like your overnight test theory as well, where you uh, you leave the office, you do something different, um, yeah. and then you come back the next day and, and, and look at the whole thing again with fresh eyes. Yeah. And, and, um, and just that ability to walk away for 12 hours, do something completely different. What, was, what yeah. sort of things would you do, just out of curiosity? Uh, I was... I've always been into my sport and my exercise. So I'd go for a run or I'd go for a walk or I'd play some sport. But that for me was always the big release. Mm. Um, I think particularly in those days, um, just hanging out with friends, going for a nice glass of wine somewhere. But for me, I just I just didn't think about it. And I, I know a lot of creative people had a real problem with that. And they used to have little notepads beside their bed and they'd wake up in the middle of the night right down. And I never did that. Mm. I was never that person, and I think actually that that was my strength is yeah that ability to come in and look at something from a completely different viewpoint the next day was huge mm. because you know, it's very rare. There's on a, a rare occasions that you get given a brief and something just pops immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's normally a real process that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same when running a business, though. To be fair, you know, you've got to wrestle with a whole bunch of different things, don't you? And yeah. and sometimes you get that in- intuition which says, "No, this is the right answer straight away." But it's, it's definitely not all the time. Uh, no, and no. I think it's one of the things for me that's come out of the pandemic is actually in the morning. At some point during that morning, I will take a walk for like 30, mm. 40 minutes around a local park, and I'll come back home. And I'm I'm convinced it's probably the most productive forty minutes of the day. Oh, I, I I would totally agree with that, and I still do that. In fact, I have walking meetings with some of my team members because just to actually get out of the office and stretch mm. your legs. And I did used to if I was working during the day, um, I would when I was I got kind of that stuck feeling. I would mm. go for a walk. I'd take my phone with me. I wouldn't go with the intention of coming up with any ideas. I'd just go with the intention to kind of let my brain go and yeah. wander off wherever it felt was a good place to wander off. But invariably, 
suddenly ideas would start to pop in and then I'd just record them on my phone. Yeah. And I'm best I didn't record it on my phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wandering around the streets of various places because, you know, I say it's you, you don't go with the intention. You mm-hmm. just go to free your mind and just, you know, just let it go. And yeah. uh, always found some. And I think in business, I really wish, and I think the pandemic has been terrible for that blurring of that those lines. Mm, yes. To, um, you know, shutting down and walking away and knowing that actually that time away is probably the most valuable thing you can do for your business. Yeah. It's not working, you know, 16 or 18 hours a day. That is not going to help. Mm-hmm. It's the ability of being able to walk away and come back in and look at things differently. Yeah, you know? very you know, true. I found even during the pandemic I had real process around I'd get up in the morning, I'd get dressed for work. Mm. You know, I do the makeup, my hair, the whole thing. Really? I would go to work, mm. and when I finished, I would shut down, close the door, go and put my track pants on, and finish. Mm-hmm. And I tried to put some real boundaries in there because I think it's really important. Yeah, it is, and like you say, I think it has blurred a lot, hasn't it, with the the pandemic? So everyone's got used to working at home now, and especially, yeah. I mean, I you know, I I'm I, I appreciate I'm I'm one of the privileged few i have a my office is at the bottom of the garden uh where in fact where i'm where i'm recording right now from my little home home office which is yeah. just you know a workshop down the bottom of the garden which is great so when you close the door and you go into the house yeah. you can separate the the two things yeah. uh but i appreciate i was very you know fortunate in that sense because not everybody can do that you know they people have got desks in their dining room yeah. and that for me would just be very problematic because I, I need that that physical shut or that physical distance between yeah. work and and yeah. and home. I, yeah, and I think you know, like I said, I don't think people realise that that refreshing, that giving your brain other things to think about that are not work are as valuable mm. for your business or what you do as sitting at your desk and ploughing through you know stuff. It's, and I just, I worry that that blurry of the lines has become just so yeah. common. I mean, I am, I don't, when I shut down, I mean, I'm happy to work a long day, but when I shut down, I don't check emails. Yeah. Um, my team know if there's something urgent, they've actually got to text me because I won't be looking at my emails. Yeah. I don't look at my emails during the weekend. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't look at my emails anytime. The team really criticised me for that. Do you check your emails? No, not really. I was, yeah. <laughs> Just no, I love how people are so surprised. Like, I run into your office and go, did you get the email? And I said, and went, no. no. But you could just tell me. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. I'm, 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 I'm much better at that. Yeah, yeah. Now, we use Slack internally, and if people because oh, yeah. and people use that. Uh, whereas uh, email, I just, yeah, I, I struggle with email. I'm not going to lie. I, I hate. I have, all my team know I hate. And I even set up a, if you CC me, I will delete that email without reading it. <laughs> so, so top tip never cc chris into an email don't cc me on an email because i'm just not going to read it because if, <laughs> just... if what are you sending it to me for you can yeah, come yeah. and tell me about that in our, meet, our weekly meetings yeah, yeah. no i don't i don't i've got better things to do it's just exactly. yeah no, fair play so you've um so you've got this sort of left right brain thinking you've got your advertising agency you've left the big ad partners 
I assume your advertising agency, you've moved back to New Zealand at this point. You weren't living in the UK, oh, yeah. right? Yep, right. off in New Zealand, yep. So you've, you've come back home, you've, you've run your business. How did it go? Were there any major issues that you had to sort of face during that, during that time? I think uh, we went through um, the global financial meltdown while mm-hmm. I was running my business. 2008. <laughs> 2008, oh my goodness. Uh, and of course, what happened is everyone pulled their budgets mm. um, for their marketing and their advertising, which, you know, is proven to be the worst thing that you can do and that the people that sustain those budgets actually come out the other side a, a long way ahead. That's just traditionally what people do. They just tighten mm. everything up. So that was really, really challenging for us and um, probably one of the hardest periods I think I've ever been in business. Wow. Just knowing that you are responsible for um, paying the salaries of your Mm -hmm. staff um, and that they've got families and then they've got mortgages and then you're responsible for you know paying all the other bills that go with it i think when you know that just things are tightening up and you can't because it's a time that we weren't really sure what was going to happen how bad would it get how long would it take would we bounce out of it um that was that was really challenging and for us it was we ran really close to the edge Mm. really close to the edge and then and it's also the time that i was most proud of because we made calls you know we brought our you know costs down we just kept pitching um you know we used every network and everything that we had and we just kept going out there and we slowly pulled ourselves out and i guess it's probably the thing i'm most proud of and knowing Mm. that you've gone that close anyone that's had a business um i think you just you think well i i could probably cope with most things now you know Mm. um because you're you're facing and and that's why i I felt so much for people during the pandemic who were in that situation through no fault of their own um where their businesses went to the wall i just really felt for those people because i knew what it was like and i know the stress that was involved and feeling something that's completely outside your control and it's it's not because you run your business badly it's because of circumstances and choices yeah. made by governments etc so i i just felt and i knew personally a lot of people going through that so challenging time um glad that i faced it but very glad that i got out of it as well that's really interesting isn't it? it's a common theme i i find chris amongst uh certainly amongst leaders that have been around and gone through a few things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereby the challenges that we go through are both hard and rewarding all at the same time. It's a, it's a really odd thing, isn't it? You, you, don't, you don't want to go through them necessarily, but when you come out of them, you're like, man, we did, that's awesome uh, what happened there. But you, I don't know if you choose to go through them again, but then you're grateful for the lessons you learned on the other side, right? Oh, completely. And I think, look, I say to my team all the time, you know, you don't tend to learn from things that go well. You learn from mistakes and you learn things that are hard. Thanks. Mm. You take the time to sit back afterwards and just go back through, you know, actually, again, separate yourself from it and have a really good look at it. That's where you learn stuff. And, um, yeah, I learned a lot. Um, Learn about, you know, making sure that your business was really resilient for whatever get thrown at it but yeah wouldn't choose to do it again (laughs) yeah prefer not to but what i mean if you i mean you've got the beautiful thing called hindsight 
now, right? Mm. So you can sit there um, in your uh, office with a dual background um, and you can sort of think about that time. And I guess if you were going to go back uh, a few years, so let's say you're going to go back to 2005, 2006, somewhere around there, would you would you give yourself any any tips or strategies or would you just sort of say, no, actually, you need to go through this, you need to learn? Uh, I would say get the right people around you, particularly um, around finance. Get really, really robust advisors around you in that space so that you mm. set up and understand how to really run a business from a financial standpoint. Because we, like many people that set up small businesses, we were concentrating on doing great work, getting the clients in the door, mm. um, but just weren't experienced in that other side of running a business. And so you've got to make sure you've got those right advisors. So a good accountant and a good lawyer, here <laughs> I say it, uh, are probably the most critical things you can have. Get those things in place mm. from day one. Yes, you might be a great creative person and the best ideas and you know wonderful communications, but if your business is not robust and is not built on those really strong foundations, you at some point will have a problem. Yeah. Going to run into an issue. Yeah. So that would be to anyone starting a business, just mm. get that in place first. And if you don't know stuff, go and learn it. Go mm. and do a course um, and, and get that under your belt and then go. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing now, actually. Everything you want to learn, you can learn on YouTube. Uh, you oh. know, it's, it's so easy. It wasn't so yeah. easy in 2008, but... Um, now I think the access to information is, I mean, it, it, I think the pendulum swung too far the other day. There's, there's too much information. It's knowing which information to consume is well, now I, the problem, I right? I think that's, that's the danger is that reputable source is now, you know, quite difficult to discern what's right, what's wrong. But look, mm. there, there are heaps of great courses online. And, you know, my attitude is if you see the same thing being repeated in multiple places, it's probably right. Um, but you need to, you know, check a lot of sources to get that, or you just go to somewhere that you know has got a good reputation. Yeah. No, absolutely, um, absolutely. I did at uni. My degree was accounting and law. Oh and my goodness! Yeah, I, I still maintain. Did you never? No, no. And not many people know, know that. No, no, no. There's two things people don't know about me, or two things that people are always surprised about, and that's one of them. Um, so I still maintain that that is one of the reasons why I think I've been in business so long. Now, I'm not a qualified accountant at all. I didn't go on to get my accounting qualifications, neither did I pass the bar exam. But that foundation was so, so good and so, so helpful um, just to give me that sort of understanding as I've, as I've gone through life, really. So it's interesting yeah. listening to you talk, saying you need a good lawyer and a good accountant. And there's like ripples of cheer all around the world from all the accountants and lawyers going, finally, somebody <laughs> recognises it. And I'm not sure that's a great thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's fascinating, isn't it? How it how it all works, and I think I think it's really interesting. And so, I mean, you, you your business almost goes under then because of the financial crisis. So, um, you you cut costs. You 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 sort of hustled. You contacts everybody you you knew. What else happened during that time? What sort of out of the box thinking did you did you guys have to do to make it through? think you've got to be really clear where you're positioning yourself and what value you're bringing to um, 
a client and also understand it from their perspective, which I think sometimes agencies are not particularly good at. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all very well racing and going, we're the most creative, but that's actually not, you know, um, what a client is looking for. So I think mm -hmm. you've got to stand in their shoes and and look back and go, what are they actually looking for? So I think we did that really well. I think we thought about who we were and what we brought to the market that was different, but also what the market wanted from us. Um, because like I say it's, it's all very well to take a product to market if nobody wants it. It's a complete mm. waste of time. It's the same with any service. You've got to be filling a gap or a need in the market. So I think we did that really well. Um, and that meant that when we went in and pitched for business, we knew who we were, we knew what we could offer, and we knew that it was something that clients wanted. Yeah, no, fair enough. And how did it affect you personally? Because my experience is when the companies get, when when the, what's that old phrase, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, I think when the going gets tough, the, the, the guy that owns a business is the last person to get paid, right? So yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, how did, how did you deal with that? Well, you're right. That's right. You, you cut your um, your income so that you can pay everyone else. And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, I was a single parent at the time. So I had my son and um, you know, a house and a mortgage. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, how do I keep paying that? So I, you know, I bought flatmates, so, mm. which is not something that you think you're going to do as, you know, a single parent. But I thought I still have to pay the bills. So I got flatmates in. And while it wasn't the, you know, it's not something that I particularly wanted to do. It worked really well. You know, suddenly you're sharing the bills, you've got another income stream coming in. Um, yeah, and so that's that's what I did. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I guess it's the side hustle, isn't it? It's like, well, yeah. business is not giving me enough. You know, I can cut my costs, you know, personally, as I mm -hmm. would be doing with my business, but where else? What is, my, what is another yeah. income stream? And so that's what I did. And look, it... It got me through that time mm -hmm. and um, just meant that I could carry on, that I didn't lose my house. Mm -hmm. um, and I could still look after my son because, you know, at the end of the day, that was my, my primary goal is that, mm -hmm. you know, he needed to be okay and we needed a place to live. So did what you needed to do, I guess. Yeah, no, you do. It's interesting. And again, I mean, the world's in a bit of a financial crisis. It's a bit of financial yeah. meltdown, isn't it? There's, uh, and the cost of living crisis, certainly here in the UK. I don't know what it's like uh, in New Zealand, but it's uh, crazy yeah. over here. Yeah. We're in recession, more than likely. Interest rates are going to get. So I think it's a really, it's the toughest winter that I've known for a, for a long time, yeah. including COVID, right? I, 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 it, yeah. it, it, there's a lot going on. So I think... Um, it's good to hear how you cope with it back then, because I wonder if that will help people now. Like, I, you know, yeah, I think I think the worst thing that you can do is not face facts, and I think yeah. a lot of people do. I'm looking at New Zealand, where you know our mortgage rates are going through the roof. There's a lot of you know our, our houses, as, as you know, Matt, very expensive in New not Zealand cheap. to buy a house. Not Unbelievable, cheap. especially and in Auckland. Oh, it's crazy. And that was fine while the interest rates were really low, but now they're going through the roof. And so mm. people are, particularly next year, when all those one- and two-year mortgages are going to come off, they're, they're going to just have a massive financial shock. But you know what? People are still out there spending crazily. Mm. So, And I think it's because they just put their head in the sand and go, I just don't want to face facts. Whereas mm. 
as scary as that situation or any situations are, if you face it and come up with a plan and you take control back of the situation, you will feel much better. It's when you don't feel in control, you don't have a plan, and you're getting buffeted by all those winds. Yeah. I think that's when the stress really kicks in. But mm. if you sit back and go, we're going to have a problem, I'm going to face it and I'm going to deal with it, mm. um, and I'm going to have a plan, then I think you feel so much more empowered. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we did, and that's what I did in that situation, and that's what I'd be saying to people now, is to stop ignoring what yeah. is going to happen and actually sit down and work out how you're going to deal with it. No, very good. I think it was um, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, he said one of the things in there was confront the brutal facts, right? And oh, the the ability yeah. to, and he actually used the example of um, Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, talking about his time in the concentration camps during the Second mm. World War. Um, and just the ability to survive horrors in life actually comes mm. down to not pretending like something's not real or doesn't exist, but actually just confronting it. Um, confronting mm -hmm. the brutal facts and like you say making a plan I remember when our business nearly went under we did the same thing you know I've got young kids we went and got extra people to come live in a house you, you do stuff to to sort of you, you go well this is what we're facing so we're now going to have to do something to resolve yeah. the situation and I think um, I think if you're entrepreneurial you usually I say usually because I don't think it's all the time at all usually um, you have the ability to face those facts well because there's this sort of belief that actually there's got to be a way through right yeah and i think actually uh you know don't underestimate the side hustle there is a lot of ways to make extra cash if you think about it mm. and it's funny all through my life i've had part-time jobs you know i've run little sort of airbnb type things of you know i've even when i was working at pharmaco i was still running you know a bit of an agency on the side you know so often mm. I've had other stuff going on mm. um, and I think that's, you know, the ability to go, okay, well, what else is there? What else can I do? Yeah. Um, you actually have quite a lot of time in your day yeah. if you think about it and if you kind of deploy it well. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the old side hustle is, is, is well worth it. Yeah, it is. And actually, I mean, again, one of the things that you find when there's financial chaos and meltdown, there's lots of opportunities to... Oh to sort of yeah. take advantage of it. The world doesn't close in it. They just become different to maybe what they were. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and so very good, very top advice there, Chris. Now, what do you, you've, you've talked a little bit about sport, going for walks. What sort of things do you do for your being then to be? This whole idea of sort of resting, relaxation, recharging your batteries, what floats your boat? Uh, I, I guess being outside, you know, when you're stuck in an office all day, I. <laughs> I love being outside. You know, we're very lucky. We've got a beautiful property in the far north of New Zealand. Uh, you know, two dogs, two parrots, four hens, quite a few cows scattered around. Uh, so I love that whole outdoors. You know, I'm a diver. I go fishing. We go boating. Yeah. I go swimming. So I'm into that that space for me. That physical environment actually really matters. You know, yeah. I love being. I do a lot of tramping and stuff like that. So I guess it's that. Sorry, sorry. Explain what you mean by tramping because oh, I really need that oh, to translate well. It could be it could be interpreted in the wrong light, Chris. So I'm right, giving you an okay. opportunity to clarify. Right, that's lovely. Walking <laughs> in the great outdoors. Okay. In New Zealand. 
tramping. We're doing tramping clubs here in New Zealand. You know okay, that. that's good to know. Yeah, no, that's fair play. That's fair play. <laughs> Right. So, so yes, so, uh, so I do that. And what else do I do? Um, like for me, uh, art galleries, because I'm a creative person, I find going to exhibitions and stuff, I absolutely love that. I'm also a big supporter of the theatre, so mm -hmm. live theatre. Uh, and we're really lucky in Auckland, we've got some, you know, quite small intimate theatres that you can go and they're not expensive and they're absolutely amazing. So I guess those are the things that really help me. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You've used this phrase a lot. I'm a creative person, um, mm -hmm. and I'm curious. How long did did you know this all the time, or is this something? Is this a sort of a revelation later in life? Um, I think. I think. Interesting. It was a revelation. I wouldn't say later in life, but I didn't actually consider myself at all creative. Um, mm. I don't really come from a creative family, um, and I remember I was at high school. And um, I was quite good at English, I have to say. And um, our English teacher, I think I would have been 13 or 14, set us a project where it was, you know, I think you had 20 pages to fill and it could be anything. You could write poetry or stories. And he said, or you could draw pictures. And I thought, God, that's an easy way to, that seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> like, yeah. Fill a few pages, a few sketches. How easy is that? It's way easier than writing something. So um, I, I did some I did some sketches and some drawings. And um, he came to me afterwards and he said, are you taking art? And I went, oh, no, I'm, I'm rubbish at art. And he said, no, I don't think you are. I just don't think you've ever applied yourself or thought about it. And it was a bit challenging for me because at the time we were, I don't know how it works in the UK, but here you kind of, the first couple of years, you kind of do everything and then you start to specialise. Yeah. I'd already selected and because I was a, a relatively bright kid, I was supposed to be picking, you know, English, Latin, uh, French, wow. maths, physics, you know, all that kind of stuff. I know. And that's where I'd sort of gone. And he said, I think you should be taking art. And that was completely contrary like mm. none of my other teachers wanted me to do that so you know you talk about one person in your life making a massive difference so he personally went into bat you know with the with the headmistress and said you've got to let this person you know move oh, wow. uh, and go and take art because this person is really really talented and it was really interesting when i, I actually kept all my drawing books of that time and I, I mean i was kind of doing art but it was like a secondary thing that i was going to drop and the minute he said to me, you're really good at this and yeah. kind of made me believe in myself, my, literally in these books where I've got things handed in and marked, I went from getting like, you know, two out of 10 and, you know, three out of 20 to, you know, 19 out of 20, 18 out of 20. Wow. He was kind of going, where has this talent been? What have you been doing? Mm. So, you know, it's really interesting, isn't it, that um, belief in yourself and having somebody identify that mm. in me and then so powerfully advocating for me at that time was incredible. That literally, I was going to be a lawyer, I tell you. Yeah. I was off down that track and suddenly I completely U-turned and ended up doing an arts degree and wow. you know, training as a designer and stuff like that, which, you know, nobody saw coming. Mm. So, I, you know, it's a really interesting, I try and keep that in the back of my mind when I sort of look at, people that are, you know, particularly young people coming through our business. It's like, mm. you know, what are their skills and can you mm. give them that belief 
because it's yeah. just so powerful. It really is, isn't it? So was that a teacher that told you that? It was a teacher, yeah. And teacher, the, the, my English teacher. Yeah, the role of teachers is, I, f I still think, is one of the most powerful, you know, things in a kid's life. You know, and I, that influence, we've all got stories, I, we've all got memories of teachers, both good and bad, I think, yeah. um, that have yeah, impacted us. So, yeah, real influences. So you're right, I, and I think that looking at how you can influence other people, um, mm. certainly young people, uh, mm. it's a responsibility, right? So when my kids were growing up, my kids are, you know, they've sort of, I could probably say they've grown up. Uh, I, I wouldn't be far off. Um, but when they were growing up, the boys, before they, you know, buggered off to university, I'd, it was great their friends would all come around the house because that's mm. what I wanted. If they were going to hang out, I'd want them to come around the house. And one of the things you do, you just talk to them like a normal human being and you tell them mm -hmm. stuff that's possible for them. You, you sort of feed mm. them courage, don't you? That's what encouragement is. I'm just going to feed you a little bit of courage. And it's amazing how you can see they're sort of, they sit up a little bit straighter and they, mm -hmm. they sort of feel a little bit taller. And you just don't know how many of those conversations are going to have a positive impact on people's lives. And so, oh, really yeah. fascinating. I, I, I completely agree. I think... Um, that support that you can give to young people and that belief is really critical. And I, I know with my own son, you know, who who's dyslexic and faces his mm. own challenges at school. And, yeah. you know, we always talked about, you know, it being his superpower and, you know, gave him a different way of thinking. And, mm. you know, when he got to high school and he was allowed a reader-writer to do exams, you know, he did one exam with a reader-writer and he was, he just, you know, the, the, the marks were amazing and I said look look at the difference I said are you you know you, you can use the reader writer now for all your exams he said no I no I don't want to do that and I went well why not he said because that's not who I am yeah. I'm going to do this myself and I was so proud of him because he yeah. kind of acknowledged who he was and he said this is my path I will succeed yeah on my own terms and yeah. you know I just felt immensely proud that he knew enough yeah. about who he was to be able to do that you know so yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing that I've I, I, I've known about you, Chris, is you. I think you've used the phrase before. You're comfortable being uncomfortable, um, yeah. and you you do deliberately go out of your comfort zone. So this is probably something that you've instilled in your son, right? Um, yeah. You actually wear clothes that make you feel uncomfortable, right? Yes, I I know, which seems a really odd thing to do. I mean, I love clothes. I love fashion. I love, I've always dressed for meetings. You know, I've always mm. thought, what am I doing tomorrow? Do I need just something a bit more that's going to kind of make me feel? But yes, I do. I purposely sometimes choose things. I, I always choose things that I think I, I will look good in, but I often mm. will go, oh, geez, that's a, it's quite bright or, you know, it's quite out there or, you know, and I, and I do choose them because I think, mm. You know, being uncomfortable is a good thing to be. And look, there's never once that I've put on something that I've gone, I don't know, is this too much? Um, that I've regretted. You know, I did mm. I did attend a board meeting, I have to admit, here. And, you know, everyone, uh, all the senior leaders, when they go to, the, you know, all the guys have got their suits on with their ties and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? Because I don't just want to turn up in something boring. I mean, what's the point? I'm supposed to be presenting on the marketing. So I did end up wearing this phenomenal pair of floral trousers, silk floral <laughs> trousers. 
Okay. But I did hear it with a very sensible black jacket, which I thought was, you know, but I just thought, nah. And you know what? They didn't even flinch, but I th- I'm sure they went, what the heck? But anyway, it was great. <laughs> I felt amazing. And I got up and I thought I did a good presentation. But, you know, it was sort of like, well, you know, I'm just not going to go in and be what you think I should be. I'm going to go in and be who I am. And those floral trousers were very me. Yeah. Well, this ties in nicely with something that I found out recently about you, Chris. Um, uh, tell the, the good <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell the good uh, folks listening about the uh, the tattoo. Oh yes, yeah, that's funny. Yes, not many people know that I have a tattoo, and um, I got it's on my back, and um, even my mother doesn't know that I have a tattoo. Well, let's hope she's not listening. <laughs> hope she never watches the podcast. <laughs> it would be a massive drop to her. But yeah, I went and I was actually, Cook Islands Tourism was one of my clients and mm. I spent a lot of time up in the Cook Islands at a time that my life was going through quite a few changes. And um, I met this amazing tattoo artist up there who doesn't tattoo everyone. He only does it for people that he feels like know what they want and want something with meaning. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I went to him, I decided that I was going to have a tattoo. Um, I went to him and asked him to tattoo the values that I, I believed in, which was mm-hmm. around, you know, creativity was one of my values and strength, you know, being able to strong enough to look after my family and friends and family and friends and being true to myself. And really interesting when he did the tattoo i just said to him that's what i kind of want and then he kind of drew the design and then he said you gotta remember this guy had you know didn't really know me Mm. and he said right i'm going to do it as a circle and all the parts of your values are in that circle but he said i'm going to create the circle as a flower and there's going to be vines extending out because i have a very strong feeling that you're in the point of your life that you're searching and i he said the vines are searching and he said, the values are in a flower which will blossom. And I was like, that's just crazy, you know. So um, not only was it my values, but it was kind of at a point in time that actually he really acknowledged what yeah, was going yeah. on. And when you have tattoos, it's, you know, particularly in the Cook Islands and a lot of our Pacific Islands, they do it as a rite of passage. And because it is quite painful, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's painful. But the pain is... When you're going through a tattoo, which might take a few hours to be done, and you're in that pain, you deal with it by going almost inside yourself, and it becomes almost like a state. And they use that as that transition often from, you know, childhood to manhood or womanhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is quite an amazing experience to go through when you, you know, particularly with someone like this who was a... Uh, he was a tribal leader and, you know, he's very well respected. And like I said, he didn't tattoo everyone. He just did it He did it around meaning and values and who you were. So for me, it was a really interesting experience to go through having that tattoo done. And, um, you know, you come out the other side and you just reevaluate stuff, which mm. I thought was a really interesting experience to go through. So, yes had the tattoo, mother still doesn't know. Um, <laughs> but what a great story that, behind the tattoo. It's better than some of the stories I hear. I got drunk one night and ended up with this yeah, on my arm, you know. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> no, it was quite considered. And yeah, it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting experience to, to have it done by mm. somebody like that in that environment because it was done in the Cook Islands. Mm. Yeah, true to myself. That's awesome. So, um, so Chris, I, I, it's, uh, I could go on because we, when we get talking, we get talking, right? I know, uh, I know. People keep looking I, at my window, wondering what on earth I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that was just going. Oh, she's talking to Matt again, obviously. Oh. Um, so I think we've got to the time of the show where we're going to do uh, the random card uh, question. So uh, you, the rules are: you just tell me when to stop. Stop. There. Okay. So, mm -hmm. here's the question. You chose this, Chris. I just want to point that out. Oh, right. You said stop. Uh, if you knew you only had one year to live from today, how would you spend the next 12 months? How would I spend the next 12 months? Okay. I would. I probably would stop work. I wouldn't necessarily go and travel, but I would make sure I spent a lot of time with uh, people that mattered to me. Mm -hmm. And I would make sure that I had did all the things that were on my bucket list. Um, but most importantly, I think I'd spend the time with the people that really mattered. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, that's really all you have. You know, you like mm -hmm. to think that you get to the end of your days and that your bed is surrounded by those people. I mean, I mm. think that's a really special thing. So mm. by 12 months, I'd just make sure that all my time was invested in those people. Yeah, and I think you'd, you'd surround yourself with the people that mattered to you, and you would probably spend the next 12 months telling them how they mattered to you yeah. uh, and yeah. creating those memories, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. It's I think an interesting one. About, yeah, you talk about putting, you know, sort of, money in the bank don't you it's like you're putting money in that bank of memories for them mm -hmm. you know that they've got something to remember you by gosh yeah. that was a serious one man i thought it was gonna i be know sorry i it, some of the questions are a bit deep some of them are a bit <laughs> playful um but I, it's, it's i just think it's interesting because they're just random they're not from my head yeah. and so it's kind of like oh that's an interesting question uh so spend time with people that you care about and um what's on your bucket list then that you've not not a, not accomplished yet. Um, I have done quite a lot of things, um, but I guess there's a few places left to travel. Mm -hmm. um, I I am a um, I am a diver, and so there's a few places that I'd like to dive um, still that I think would be really nice. So I guess that's that's a big part of what I'm doing. Um, don't know. You know, I'm very. I feel like I've been really lucky in my life. You know, I have travelled. Mm. Um, I've been in a position to do the things that I wanted to do. You know, like I said, you know, we, we dive, we boat, we fish, um, you know, we do all of those things. So I guess I don't have masses of things that I feel like I've missed out on. Yeah. Um, I look back in my life and it's been very varied. You know, I've done mm. lots in my personal life and my work life. Um, I guess that's quite nice to be, you know, sitting at a point thinking, well, there's I'm sure there will be other things that come to me as you go through mm -hmm. life. You suddenly go, well, that looks really interesting. I'd like to do that. I guess maybe if there was one thing that I'd like to try is I'd like, probably like to um, exhibit some art. I did mm -hmm. that when I was studying. I Right at the end of our um, degree, 
we had an exhibition which is terrifying if you've ever done anything like that it's like you're just putting your heart and soul yeah, out there it's very everyone. vulnerable isn't it very very vulnerable. very personal i'd really like to have some time to be able to go back and paint and create some art um knowing that that's probably very different to the art that i used to create mm. and then exhibit that because i'd like that challenge i'd like to be in that uncomfortable place again one more time i think and that would probably be the most uncomfortable i mean when you work in agencies you're always putting ideas forward you're always putting yourself mm. out there and every idea feels very personal i think art is even more deeply personal yes. because you're not writing to a brief you're mm. right you're you're creating something very much from your emotions and very mm. internally to put out there for people to look at so i think that would be my last, let's be really uncomfortable before we go. <laughs> Exhibit some art. Well, I, 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 maybe then what you should do over the Christmas break is get the uh, get the old oil paintings out, set up the old easel, start painting something, and then send it to your old mate in Liverpool, England. <laughs> I have a beautiful space in my hall wall where I need to hang some art. Do you? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Just you know, you uh, like you get from the auntie, and you go, "Oh my god, if they ever come to visit, I'm going to have to hang that." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is? This Christmas, because uh, we're recording this pre-Christmas. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, it's probably coming out post-Christmas. Hence the reason, if you're watching this, you see my. Christmas I was going to say, do you think that the jump is a bit of a dead giveaway? Yeah, it, it probably is. If you're watching, it. yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, every year, my daughter and I, we create a Christmas something, like a decoration. Um, yeah. And uh, this year, we decided to create an advent calendar. And so we, I so far have done most of the work, I have to be honest. Uh, I've made this advent calendar out of wood, and there's 24 little drawers that has the sweets. And there's like oh. four shelves, and the wise men go along the shelves, and they get to nat the nativity top and so zoe now has to paint all kinds of weird wonderful scenes and stuff on this which she can do next weekend because her mocks have finished the trouble is this advent calendar well is quite big uh chris uh -huh. so i had to drill two holes in the wall yesterday to put screws in to hold it up so i need a piece of art to cover those big holes in my <laughs> hall <laughs> when the advent calendar is no longer up so uh that's what needs to happen uh <laughs> Right, uh, Chris, as you know, right, this show is sponsored by Orion Media, which specializes in helping folks like your good self set up and run their own podcast. So I'm curious, right, imagine you've got the Ivers show. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and out of the people that have impacted your life, uh, you know, past, present, future, who would be on your guest list to interview and why? Oh, okay. Um I, you know, like 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said this, but I would say I'd like to interview my mother. Now, the reason for that is as I've got older, I've had more appreciation for who she is mm. and the fact that actually she's an extremely independent woman and not of her generation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if she'd lived in these times, she would have been a very, very different person. Right. And I'd be really interesting to talk to her about that because as I've got older, I've just gained that 
massive appreciation for who she was and she followed right. that traditional path but actually i think that could have been really different for her ah that's fascinating so was it uh was it you said up until 10 years ago you wouldn't have said that can i ask why i, I just i think it's an age thing i think as mm. you you know you grow up and have your own kids and you realize but i just think um you know she's now living by herself you know she she lost my stepfather a number of years ago and yet she's fiercely independent and she's mm. determined to run her own life and do her own things and as i've seen her do that i've just gone that's so crazy because she's probably more independent now than she ever was um and i think that's remarkable when you're in your 80s yeah it is it is fantastic fantastic well chris it's been fabulous talking to you as always. Uh, I feel like we're just getting warmed up, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> but I appreciate you've got a day of work in front of you and I've got an evening of drinking Christmas port in, in front of me. Uh, so, yeah, well, you know, watch some Christmas movies, put the fire on and all that. Um, it's minus four for me today. What's the temperature for you? Uh, about 24, I think. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Oh, I love it. Love it. Um, if people want to reach out, if people want to connect with you, if people want to ask you the question, which is probably on everyone's mind, why are you called the Ivers? Uh, what's the best way to do that? Uh, through LinkedIn. Just to search Chris Ivers on LinkedIn. Yeah, fantastic. And we will, of course, link to uh, Chris's LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if you subscribe to them, that will be coming straight to your inbox. Chris, listen. You're a legend, an absolute legend. And I, I love our conversations and uh, you make me laugh and smile and you inspire me all at the same time. So thank you for coming on to the show. It's been, well, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you as always. As always. <laughs> as always. As always indeed. So there you have it, a great conversation. Huge thanks again to Chris for joining me today. Also a big shout out to today's show sponsor, Aurea Media. If you are wondering if podcasting is a great marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at aureanmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. And as I've, as I've said, we will link to them uh, in the show notes, just as we will link to uh, Chris's notes uh, and links to LinkedIn. That's not easy to say. Uh, be sure to follow Push To Be More wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss a single one of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, you are awesome. Yes, you are. It's just a burden you have to bear. Chris has to bear it. I definitely have to bear it and you've got to bear it as well. We are awesome. Now, Push To Be More is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin and Tim Johnson. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website pushtobemore.com where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter and get all of this good stuff direct to your inbox, totally free. That's it from me. That's it from Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.